their reputation preceded them because they didn't even have to not do the bowing down to and, and praising Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody just knew, their enemies knew they wouldn't because they knew they wouldn't compromise their morals. So what they had to do was present themselves before Nebuchadnezzar with, with they had to actually stand strong, but with respect. How to have respect while simultaneously doing something they knew was against man's law, but was standing for God's law. So that was last week's. And this is our third and final uh, in this. And this is having the, op- no way, having the wisdom to see the opportunity is what we're going to be talking about. Having the wisdom to see the opportunity. See, in this is the sixth chapter of Daniel is, and most people would know, because Daniel in the lion's den. But we're going to look at Daniel with not so much of just the faith that he had, but the way that he showed it. Because Daniel had such, Daniel was such a great person and a great ambassador for God. Consider that after he was captured by Nebuchadnezzar as a child, as a boy, he continued under Nebuchadnezzar II, his son, Nebuchadnezzar's son. He continued under Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. When Cyrus the Great took over, the, per, you know, the Persians took empire took over Babylon. They kept him on as an advisor. When Darius, the successor of Cyrus, came on, they kept him on as an advisor. And each one of these, now one of the things they would do is what something that became very common in the Roman Empire copied it was when you take over a, a place, find the best, most upstanding people that the people respect and let them continue to rule their area and let them keep their religion, let them keep their language, but just in, in, fact, in effect, keep them living life as normal, as normal as they can but with you as the overlord of them. So they pay taxes and whatever else they to you, or they fight for your army. That Again, that was what the Romans actually modeled that. Uh, interestingly, the Babylonians did not. The Babylonians and the Assyrians, when they would take over people, they would move them around so that they felt out of place, so they wouldn't build up and attack again. But, these, but, but the Persians and the Medes, they, can, they thought about it and said, well, if we just took over them, and then we let the average everyday person live their life the way they always had, they're probably not going to rebel against us. They'll just keep living. A, farmer's, a farmer, for the most part, is not going to pick up weapons and go to war if his life never changed. So let them continue to do what they're going to do. They won't rebel against us if we don't make them angry. But to do that, you need good people in place. You need people you can trust you know are looking out for the best interest of the people. They're not going to look after themselves and look for the best interest of the people. Well, Dave, well, Daniel was considered one of them. Daniel was, he when they took over, they said, you're one of the people. He wasn't even from there. He was a Hebrew. He was a foreigner. And they kept him on as, as one of the people to, to rule this. Why would they do that? Why would he keep him around? They knew his character. His reputation preceded him everywhere they went. When they came in and said, who are the best people? Everybody in town went, he is. He's one of the best among us. 
And if we're all serious and honest, we've all known people like that in our life. We know people that somebody said, came in and said, who do you know is the best person? You say, oh, that person there. They, they've got their problems, but they, they're a good person. We know they are a good, godly person. We've all known people like that. Those are people we need. We need to, to look up to and see how they walk. Don't idolize them, but understand how they walk with God. So, we are going to read uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 through 9 to start out. And I want you to get, the whole time we're reading this, I want you to consider from the perspective again of Daniel, how was Daniel, how did everybody deal with Daniel? How did, how was Daniel going to deal with this opportunity that God was giving him? Because this is an opportunity. It may seem like a bad thing, but it's an opportunity. Everything's an opportunity. So Daniel 6, verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the prince might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and kings because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So right there, we see right away, People wanted to, they couldn't find anything to do that. I mean, they, they just couldn't find an error that was a legitimate error that they could deal with. Again, why? Because Daniel readied himself, and, and, and he was a man that followed God. He followed. He, he was a man of character and integrity. So, we starting in 5, again, we'll go and we'll continue out to 9. It says... Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the decree, the writing and the decree. So we see they again... His reputation, they knew the only thing they could get him on was if they tried to force him to go against God. That was the thing they knew they could, so they had to use some form of trickery. Think to yourself for a second why that would be. What would the, why would Daniel be successful? Why would Daniel have a reputation that only if you asked him to do something against God would he, would he do this? Would, would he ever do something against the king. It was because Daniel took the initiative to learn about the culture and to work within the culture and work with the people. You can't 
have a disdain for the people. You can't have a disdain for knowledge. You have to understand the people you're around or else you can't you can't work within them. You can't figure out how to, to how to reach them. You have to you actually have to essentially study your culture. Study what's going on. He had to learn about these cults that were going on and they're praising these foreign gods and stuff. So he knew what not to do and when to avoid stuff and and how to help people, but simultaneously how far you can go before you start going into error. There is a there is a, a thing where you can help somebody who's who's not saved, who's not a Christian, who's not you can help them in any way they need. Oh, they need a bike tire. So, oh, I'll help you out. Hey, you know, come to my house. You're not allowed to go to their house. You're allowed to eat with them. You're allowed to do. You're not by being with them and helping them. You're not participating in anything in particular, and therefore it's not a sin. But if you're not knowledgeable about what God wants, about what the decrees of God are, if you're not knowledgeable about what possibly some of the things they might try to can pull you into. You might walk blindly into a trap. You might walk blindly into something that you don't want to be. You don't want to be there. So you need to study your surroundings and be aware of your surroundings so that you don't fall into a snare, but simultaneously follow the statutes, learn the statutes of God and have them in your heart to where you know by nature what the good and what the bad things are and what you need to do. See, the thing is with Daniel is from the very beginning, he could have been angry, he could have been frustrated, he could have boycotted, essentially. Like we, today, we boycott, and we know, oh, this person doesn't want to do something, let's boycott him. Well, <laughs> Daniel didn't boycott. Daniel didn't, he humbly came before and said, listen, he didn't, he could have taken an occasion, they castrated him, they said, we're going to give you all this money. He goes, I'm not eating that junk, I'm the, no, he said, can I please? Just eat, continue to eat the food that I'm used to eating and, and, and praise God the way I'm used to praising. He humbly asked for it and knowing that he was going to stay with it, with God and walk with him all throughout it. But if he would have refused to have any association with the world, he wouldn't have excelled. He wouldn't have done anything because he would refuse to associate with them. You can't refuse to associate with people or else you're never going to get the opportunity to show God. If you're only around other Christians all the time, well, yeah, great. And <laughs> if you only are only around people who you agree with all the time, and where's where's how does that help God that that you're going to be only around? Or God said to be in the world, but not to be of the world, to be an example. So you can. You can even participate in things. You can go to someone's birthday. You're not, let's say it's a person who's doing something you know is, they're married, they're living with somebody they're not married to. They invite you to their birthday. Hey, we're going to have a party at, you know, after work, such and such. You can go there. You can be a good example to the people mm -hmm. around there mm -hmm. because they need people around them. When Christ sat with the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors, he wasn't shining example of what they wanted to be. He didn't partake of their sin, but he was there being a good example, setting a good example, answering questions if they had it. People were seeing him and they're going, what is it about him that's different? We want to know this. And so they would ask questions about him. They would inquire about him. You don't, he wasn't participating but he in, in the actual sin, but he was there. He was sitting around them. He was sitting, he was... You know, that's what one of the major charges is. He sits amongst 
among the prostitutes and the, and the tax collectors. Well, if you're not willing to sit among the t prostitutes and the, and the tax collectors, stuff like that, then what good is the light of Christ shining? Where, what are you going to shine it on? You're going to shine light on light? Or are you going to shine light on darkness? Which is, which is going to work for you? And what's the point? So, you could be in it. You don't have to. You don't have, you're not endorsing their behavior just to in, in, interact with the culture. But one of the things is, is to have the wisdom to understand the culture, to know what they're doing and why you shouldn't do it. So studying, knowledge, learning, being around people, but always following God. Now we're going to continue and we're going to read the next portion of this because we're going to look and, and see how Daniel deals with this particular thing. Now, it is one of those, I might get kicked out of a church for saying this, but we as Christians, we tend to get upset about stuff that really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. We'll throw hissy fits about things that just don't matter. And the problem is that God has his objective. He has things in his way and in their meaning. There's a reason why Christ says, be angry but sin not. You're allowed to be angry about injustice. You're allowed to be frustrated and mad about it. But don't sin over it. Don't make yourself an idol. That, oh, you're doing something I don't personally like. Well, if it's really a sin against God, then God doesn't like it either, and you don't participate. But it's not a personal affront to you. It's to God. Don't put yourself in the place of God to where that you mistake to the point where you can mistake your own preference for something of God. I mean, there are churches that will literally turn people away for dress codes, will turn people away for various things. None of that, that's preference. It's preference. Do not mistake your preference for God's commands. So in Daniel 6, starting in verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, and as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. They said, uh, when then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree, hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men, when assembled, unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is 
that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. Now the king spoke and said unto Daniel, By God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now we're going to stop for a second and think about that. Daniel didn't, when there was something that legitimately went against God, Daniel didn't keep it to himself. He didn't hide it. He didn't. He opened his windows so that everybody could see what he was doing. He wasn't hiding it. One of the things we tend to do as Christians is we tend to, and I, I'm ashamed of this myself when I was younger, we tend to be a little ashamed of our faith. People say, oh, that's ir irrational. Yeah, it's a little irrational, but you know, I believe in God. And no, it's not irrational to believe in God. And the more you read the Bible, the clearer things get that it is not irrational. God is, he makes more sense than we could ever make in our life. But don't be, don't be ashamed that you worship God. Do it openly. Be proud of it. And if something like this happens to where it is an direct affront to God, then be forward with it. He opened his windows so everybody could see that he was going to do it. So he did, in fact, make, he made a spectacle of what was going on. Why? Because the time was right. It was a time where he, someone was going against God, and he needed to, find, to finally put his foot down and say, that's enough. They had done all kinds of things to him. They you know, took him over. They cast him. They made him serve in someone else's court. He lived 70, 80 years in captivity, doing all these things. He's an old man. He's up there in his 90s now. And they're still having him, him work and be a president and reside over the issues with the kingdom. And now they're going to go, and, they, and again, we've seen in the past, they threw his friends in the fiery furnace. They, there's all these things that have happened with him. And he kept his mouth shut. He always was just faithful. He, when they didn't want to hear from him for a while, so they sent him away, and then Belshazzar sees the writing on the wall, and they say, we know one person who can determine what that is. Who is it? Well, bring Daniel up. He, what did he do? He humbly stepped before the king and did what his, his job. But now he took, this was the chance that he, he said, you know what, this is a personal affront to God. I need to make my stand. Did he pick up a sword? No. Did he pick up and, and you know, rocks to throw him? Did he, did he get on the corner and put a megaphone and cry and scream? No. He did the right thing. He did what he had always done. He was always praying to God, but he made sure that everyone knew it. He did it openly, and he did it the right way. He, he, all these things happened. He picked this time to be the time where he stood up for something and said, it's it, it's done. I'm not, I'm not budging on this one thing. I'm not budging. What? Because it's a personal affront to God, not him. You could do anything you wanted to him, and he would accept it. He, okay, fine. For the will of God. But when it came to something that was a personal affront to God, no more. That's when he put his foot down. For God, not for himself. So, we're going to continue with 18.
And it says, verse 18 says, Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamented voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel, and has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me, for as much before him, uh, or as much as before him, innocently was found in me, or innocently was found in me, and also they, also before thee. O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no matter of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. One of the things that you can always do, notice, is that people who actually believe what they say when you actually, you say, I believe in God, do you? When you really do, when you prove that you do, people will respect you. Even people who don't necessarily agree or don't necessarily like what you stand for, they'll still usually respect the fact that you do believe what you say you believe. So, why is that? What, what is the issue? Well, Daniel had the wisdom to fight the correct battle. He, didn't, he knew that, do whatever you want to do with me, God will handle it. God will handle, whether he's going to die in that den, lion's den, that's God's will. God's going to handle the lions for him, that's God's will also. He fought the right battles. This, this may be the most important lesson that anybody can learn from Daniel, is that Daniel could refuse to compromise, but he also didn't speak up in areas that weren't important. Daniel had the wisdom to know when to speak and when to be quiet. When they told him that his new name was Belshazzar, which means the Prince of Satan or Prince of Bel, he shrugged and went along. When they told him that he had to study the occult, he didn't really fight back. He said, okay, and he did. And he studied, and he became one of the smartest people in the kingdom. When they told him he would have to eat the king's meat, he spoke up, but he did it with humility. He said, if it pleases you, allow us to do this thing. Then they told him he could not pray anymore. He prayed continually. When they told him he had to abandon his God, he clung tighter than he did before. That is what we need. We need to cling tighter to Christ, tighter to God. When the times are the darkest, in this time of the year, the sun's going down early, people are getting depressed, it's it's. it's Holidays, when you see your family, some people don't have the greatest memories of their family. And that's tough. Some people are missing spouses. Some people are missing children who died too young. This can be a tough, tough time for a lot of people. And what do we need? We need to cling closer to God. We need to cling closer to Christ. We need to have him cover us. That's, that's been my prayer. That's why we did that psalm. It's because this week, I'll be honest with you, it has been tough on me. I don't know why, but my mind has been going a million different directions. Every time I sit down and read, I can't think and concentrate on the material. 
I sat down to, re- I tried to read every morning. I got, I managed to actually read twice this week in six days. Um, I'm talking sit down, sit my coffee, and next thing you know, I'm call, got a phone call, I'm up doing something, and I didn't even do it. Six hours later, I got nothing. So I have been, I have not been where I need to be continually in prayer. And it's, it's worn on me because as Saturday happened, I could tell my spirit was depressed. It was such, I was such a low spot. I'm thinking things I shouldn't think, whether it's, it's could be stupid stuff like something from a movie that I probably shouldn't have watched when I was younger or something somebody said that was inappropriate that I'm still kind of laughing about or in, it's just been, it's in there. I've been working on this since the last two days I have been praying hardcore. Just clean. That's why this, this, this morning when we did the communion, it was tough on me because I spent the time before that really praying because I'm like, God, get the leaven out because it's really been working hardcore on me to get this time. So nobody needs these sermons more than I do. <laughs> Usually if a preacher's bringing you a sermon, they need it more than the people in the congregation need it. That's the reason why God laid it on their heart. And in this particular time, I know why one of the reasons why I've been so distracted is because I choose to fight every battle. I usually fight every battle. I want to do everything all the time. I want to help every person. I want to do everything. I want to be everything all the time. You have to be smart enough. I have to be smart enough to let God deal with it. There are times you need to just pick your battles. What's the thing that needs to be done? What's the thing you need to deal with? Work with that. Let God handle the rest. So, every battle... And, and, and that's the thing. Every battle can't be the most important battle. We have to worry about things like, okay, is the, is the gospel message being preached? What's the gospel? God, Jesus Christ was God incarnate. He was born. He lived a perfect life. He died. He resurrected. He is in heaven. His spirit has come down. And he wants us to believe on him for salvation. That's the gospel. Anything more, anything less is not. Somebody preaches something different, that's a problem. We can't allow that. We can't let that go. We can't add things to, we can't take things away. We need to stand firm on that conviction. But the gospel is not what songs are sung. The gospel is the, the, it has nothing to do with even communion. Some people think you should do communion every week. Some people should do it three times a year. Some people every month. Doesn't, Christ doesn't tell us when. He says as often as you do it. That's not, that's, that's a preference. That's not a battle to fight. So maybe something to throw your hat in when you need to. Somebody asks your opinion, let your opinion be. Let it be humble. But that's not a battle to fight. Every, there's, I know people that have been thrown out of churches for wearing a hat into the, into the sanctuary. Oh, they were disrespectful. They didn't know. The, the guy really had no idea that you that somebody would upset. He, I, I think at the time he'd probably been a Christian a few months. He had no idea that about the hat thing. He's a good old country boy. He wore a hat every moment of his life. He probably slept in that hat. So he that's 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 a preference. I'm sorry, but it is. It, you read in First Corinthians. Cover your head, don't cover your head. It is really up to you. It's about your heart. 
Should you probably not? Well, God did say, come humbly, uncover your head. But he, that's also, if you really look at it, he's talking about be open with God. Bear it all with God. When you go to pray to God, just let it all out. Don't, don't hide anything, because God knows it anyways. There's, there are certain issues that we get hung up on, and it happens socially. We, we're so worried about the world and what they're doing. Like, there's the one, somebody I was talking to, and on the one thing I was reading, it said that people threw a fit over the cancellation of Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty's canceled after 11 seasons or whatever. Threw a fit. Let's boycott. Let's do a... Duck Dynasty? It's a TV show. Granted, they prey on it. I get it. They're good people. I get it. It's a TV show. They threw a fit over it. Okay. Those same people... They go after abortion. They can, abortion's an abomination. It is. And guess what? You treated it with the same passion as you treated the cancellation of Duck Dynasty. So what do people think of you? If you consider abortion something that's, you're going to, oh, you're going to have a problem with it. Yeah, and you had a mate, you threw a fit over Duck Dynasty. How unreasonable of a person are you? Are they really going to follow that? Are they think, do you think anything other than you're acting ridiculous? Over that, how can you be taken seriously? A person, it's like, you know, I had a friend that is a huge Star Wars fan. Knew the whole story of Star Wars, all these books they've written about Star Wars, all this stuff. This whole stuff that's not in the movies, it's all kinds of other stuff. He would throw tantrums at people and correct people. Even like if you said the name of a place, like Tatooine, he'd correct your grammar. Tatooine, and just... And the same person would then try and witness to you about the gospel. And it's like, this is a person who throws a fit when you don't say a fictional name of a fictional town in a, TV, a movie, right? <laughs> you really think he believes in God like that? Well, that's, you know, these people he's trying to talk to, they say the same thing. Oh, you believe in a fictional God in the sky. He's making it look ridiculous. Everything can't be the most important thing in the world. You need to let some things go. You need to let things be. You can't do everything. Abortion is something to stake in the ground. It is a stake in the ground moment because God said, no, you don't kill. We are imagers of God. We are God's. We are, we are special among all of your creation. You don't kill them. You don't. And the youngest ones to be protected the most. So there is a big difference between something God forbids and something you don't like or something you do like. The line that you draw in the sand needs to be where God draws the line. And as you read through the Old Testament, and especially like in the book of Daniel, Daniel was in a pagan culture where he had to guarantee you he was, he was encountering Baal worship every day. He was working with people who worshipped Baal. He was dealing with people who, he was probably settling disputes over people about things in the temples of Baal. And he had to settle disputes about this. He did it fairly. He did it rationally and reasonably. And he had a good, favorable light on God because of his witness for that. Our job is not to win battles. Our job is to follow Jesus. Our job is to bring other people to Jesus through the way that we live our lives and our testimony. In Matthew 10, this morning, when we were reading that, and we were sitting in the verse, 16th verse, Jesus said, I send you forth into the, as sheep among wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. 
He didn't call you to fight. He didn't call you to brandish a sword. Called you to honestly, he called you, you to be an easy target. He called you to <laughs> he called you to take be put to the sword. He called you to lose your head if it takes, if it need be. He called you to to endure to the end for his sake. He sends us. We'd be wise. Again, wise as serpents. In that culture, where serpents were considered to be the smartest, the, the wisest creatures. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they, were, they could get away out of almost any situation. But they'd be wise. Study. Be knowledgeable. Know what you believe. Be able to answer people when they, when they charge you. Why do you believe in God? Tell them why you believe in God. Give your testimony if you have to. Be wise. But be harmless. Don't attack. You're not here to attack somebody. Even if they're attacking you, it's not necessarily your place to attack them. Self-defense is one thing, but do not be on the attack. Be on the defense. So, we're going to read Daniel 6, 24 to the end of the verse. And we're going to see that it says, And the... And the 24th verse says, And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the lion's den. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery over them to break all their bones in pieces. And ever they came at the bottom of the den. So before they even hit the ground, they were killed. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the Lord, before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and the steadfast forever. And his kingdom, which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be ever unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and works with signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus. So what happened? Darius was, did not get saved. There's very little reason to believe Darius was saved. They study him. I don't believe he believed in it. He didn't necessarily show any reason that he ever changed from being, uh, I guess it was a Zoroastrianism, uh, believing in these other gods, these Persian gods. But he respected Daniel. He respected what Daniel did. And the name of God was exalted throughout the kingdom because of what Daniel did. He did it the right way. Even among heathens, God was proclaimed by the very heathens because of the way Daniel handled himself. Even your, your worst enemy Oftentimes, if you handle yourself correct, they may disagree, but they can respect what you stand for if you stand consistent and firm. See, we look about this in... in it's written, I wrote down, it says, you know, what if in trying to, instead of trying to silence somebody you strongly agree with, you live the best you can, and you show through your actions of just living God's way why what normally you would argue for Show it. Show it in the way you live. Your actions will speak louder than your words ever will. You, you can reach somebody by living well. A sinner's biggest issue is not their lifestyle. People out in the world, it's not their lifestyle that's the biggest issue. 
It's a heart issue. They don't know God. They don't have the Holy Spirit directing them. They don't have the Holy Spirit to work on them, to tell, show them the right and wrong. They don't have God. They need to be saved first, and then the Holy Spirit will go to work cleaning them up after that. Uh, they don't need, we don't need to clean them up. God will handle that. We just want them to be saved. And one of the most effective ways is through the way you live your life every day. And the way, the light that you shine on God. God's light shines down, it reflects back off of you onto him. People will determine how good your God is based upon how you act. That is, that, that is the, you are the best, you are the, what God, when people see your God, they see you. And how do you act? Are you shameful? Then they're going to be, they're going to think your God is shameful. <sighs> to live in this society, it's tough. But you know what? Have an optimism about it. Have an optimism about it. No matter what happens to you, you've got heaven. If I die tomorrow, so long, suckers, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm, I'm in heaven. Thank you. Try, try to, instead of, try to bring that optimism, the goodness of God, instead of bringing fear, bringing hate, bringing cynicism, I'm really sarcastic really tough thing for me. But I really shouldn't be. I should be positive. I should be, I have the God on my side. There's no reason to be cynical. And one of the things we had talked about in the first the thing was that when people think of Christianity, they think, they think of hate. They hate this. They hate that. They hate. Instead of being hate, again, what if we showed that God is for people, not against people? God was for us when we were still sinners. Yeah. So why can't we be for people while they're sinners? Be a faithful employee. Your job and do it the best you can. Do the best job. Be the one who's on time, who's on early, who shows up, who masters their work, masters their craft. That has to do with the knowledge as well. Master it. If you're going to take on something, I know people, they retire off one thing, they go and do something else. Go take classes at the call at, at, at Stark State or something. If you're going to do that, show them why. Show them why you are the best. God, you believe in God. You do the best job you can. Do the best you can in everything you do. You be kind. Be loyal as a friend. Be respectful to those who would be disrespectful to you. And know the difference between what God says and what is your personal preference. Maybe a front to you, but that's you. What does God say? Bring them to the cross. Bring people to the cross through your life, through your actions. Do it humbly. Knowing that Christ is the one who works the miracle. That the Holy Spirit is the one that works the regeneration. And that God is the one that calls us to repentance. It is not us. It is God. As John the Baptist said, may we shrink and decrease and God become more every day. May he increase and be mourned to all they see is God through us. And as a church, we can go into these latter days and be a true beacon of light into a dark world. Let's bow our heads today for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this night. I thank you for everybody who's coming together to just get a word from your, your amazing book that shows us Shows us the roadmap on how to on how to live and how to do it the right way. That 
And thank, thank you, God, so much that we don't have to do it all. You do it. All we have to do is point to you. May you strengthen us, strengthen our resolve, strengthen us so that we can stand for what we believe, we can know what is right, we can discern what we need to stand for and what we don't. You know, we can be best we can be and bring as many as we can to your kingdom. Thank you, God, for everybody here. May you just watch over them as they go. May you continue to soften hearts, to expand minds, and continue to work in the lives of everybody that as we go out, we will make a difference in the community and change the hearts and minds of the community. Asking everything in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ.